Hello there, this is David Hansen, and this is my weekly sermon podcast. I'm the pastor of St. John Lutheran Church of Prairie Hill. To learn more about us, visit us at stjohnprairiehill.org, and feel free to connect with me on Twitter at at Rev underscore David. Our texts for this Pentecost Sunday were Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. If you are listening to this podcast at home, now would be a great time to hit pause and go and read that text before listening to the sermon. Grace and peace to you this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we gather this day on the day of Pentecost, I want to teach you a prayer. And some of you know this already, and some of you do not. It's a really, really simple prayer. But I spent the last three days with pastors, and you get a group of pastors together, and you give us an excuse to speak in Latin or Greek instead of English, and we're going to take it. So the prayer goes like this. The first word is vene. Can you say vene? Vene. Second word is sancte. Sancte. And the last word is spiritus. spiritus. That's it. Three words. That is the whole prayer. Vene Sancte Spiritus. And the prayer means, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. But, uh, right, even that's a little easy, right? Vene Sancte Spiritus. We're actually going to sing it, all right? And it goes like this. Let me sing it for you. Vene Sancte Spiritus. Vene Sancte Spiritus. And that's it. It is two notes. Three words, two notes. It does not get any easier than this when it comes to singing church music, okay? All right, so I'm going to start out. I'm going to ask you to join in with me as we sing this song. And you're kind of spread out over here, so you're going to have to sing out a little bit, all right? All right, so I'll start out, and you just join on in with me. Vene Sancte Spiritus Vene Sancte Spiritus Awesome, thank you. So that prayer, and the reason to pray it in Latin is this. We're here in Prairie Hill. But whether you're in Prairie Hill or you're in Houston... Or you're in Washington, D.C., or you're in New York, or you're in Seattle, or you're in Rome, or you're in Berlin, or you're in London today. Across the world, the Christian church is singing the same hymn. Across the world, the Christian church is saying the same prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Vene Sancte Spiritus. Come, Holy Spirit. Giving thanks this day for what is the birth of the church, the beginning of this life that we call the Christian church, the beginning of this community that we call the Christian church, giving thanks for the Spirit in our lives, driving us out into the world. So as we pray that together, it's an opportunity for us to realize how we are tied not just to this place, but to one another and to the world. In fact, in a little while, we will pray for the Holy Spirit to come on Knowles as he is baptized, in the same way that it was prayed for the Holy Spirit to come on each one of us in our baptisms. It's a thing that unites each one of us. And there are lots of images to talk about as we talk about this Holy Spirit. We could talk about what we heard just a couple weeks ago 
As we gathered in this place a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is our comforter, right? Our presence that comes along with us. As Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'll send another to be with you and advocate the Holy Spirit, your comforter. I mean, we love that image so much that as we baptize children in this church, we give them their very own comforter, right? As a reminder that the Holy Spirit will always be with them. And I'm big on comfort. Right? Sunday morning, my uniform is a suit, and uh, I'm all dressed up. You get me home Sunday afternoon. As soon as I get home, I am in sweats on the couch, curled up, comfortable. Right? With a comforter, comforter pulled up as far as I can get it up to my chin, I'll turn down the air conditioner so I can be all cuddled up and warm. It's a great image. And it provides a lot for us. And it's biblical, and it's, it's great, it's wonderful. But at some point, it runs out. Because it's not the only image as we talk about the Holy Spirit. Because as we return to the story in Acts that Pat read for us, and Pat on her first Sunday back gets hazard pay for having the reading from Acts about Pentecost. As we return to that story about the disciples in the upper room, we hear Peter preaching. And Peter says... To them, in the last days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will pour out my spirit on your sons, on your daughters. I will pour out my spirit on your young men and on your old men. I will pour out your spirit on your slaves and upon those who are free. And I will show portents in the heaven above and the signs on the earth below. Blood, fire, and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to, be, to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Now isn't that a comforting feeling? Doesn't that make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside as you listen to Peter's sermon? Right? Sounds like it ought to belong maybe in the book of Revelation instead of in the book of Acts. Because the Holy Spirit is not just about comforting. We hear from Paul. Paul tells us in Romans that, oh, well, you've been adopted by the Spirit with God, and with, with Jesus as, as one of God's children. Oh, that's wonderful, right? That's wonderful. That's comforting. In order that you may suffer with him. Oh, we like the comforting half. We're not as crazy about the in order that you may suffer with him half. Because the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit has lots of jobs, but the primary job is that the Holy Spirit makes all things new. The Holy Spirit makes all things new. The Holy Spirit comes and it is a renewing fire. It is a renewing water. It is a new creation. Now, that's great and that's fine and that's good. And we'll sit here and we'll say, come Holy Spirit, and we'll pray for that and we'll ask for that renewal. I think we don't think about what that might mean, right? So I walked in this morning. You heard the one about the Lutherans and the light bulb, right? Yeah? Right? How many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? Anybody know? How many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? Change? We're not changing anything. We're not entirely comfortable with change. The world around us is changing. It just is. There are no two ways about it. The world that even I grew up in is not the world that is outside those doors anymore. I was listening this this weekend to, to statistics about Houston ISD. Anybody 
you, you, you can't say. Anybody know what the, the population of Hispanics is at Houston ISD? What percentage? I heard it, 70. It is 70%. The population of Houston ISD students is 70% Hispanic. The world that we grew up in is not the world that's outside those doors anymore. And it sure won't be the world that we will see in 10 years. I preach on a given Sunday morning here in this place, and there are 170 people here. There are 14,000 people, 15,000 people in the city of Brenham. Last week, with our church's Facebook page, we reached 12,000 people. The world that we grew up in is not the world that is outside those doors anymore. Things are changing faster and faster. There is more information available to each one of us in more ways faster than ever before. The people around us in our neighborhoods and in our towns and in our county and in our community are not the people who have always been there. Things are changing. And our response more often than not as good church people is to say, why can't we go back to the good old days? Why can't things just stay the same? Right? Can't it just be like it was when Paul Goglin was here? As church people, we like to be comfortable. We love the image of the comforter as the Holy Spirit. But on this day of Pentecost of all days, the image is less of the comforter and more of a consuming fire. More of a renewal and a change and something that we never ever anticipated. We pray as we gather, come Holy Spirit. It's a great and it's a wonderful prayer. But if we mean it, that means that we are not in control of what the outcome is. I don't know about you, but that scares me. I kind of like to be in control of what the outcome is. I kind of like to say, come Holy Spirit in the way that I want you to. Come Holy Spirit as long as I don't have to do anything different than everything that I've always done. Right? Does that sound about right? But we pray, come Holy Spirit, in the same way that we pray that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, taking it entirely out of our hands and placing it into God's hands. What does it mean to talk about Pentecost as the very thing that makes us uncomfortable? Pentecost is our occasion to get disturbed, to get upset, to get uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. Share with you a story about a congregation, a Zion Lutheran Church in Galveston Island. So one of the images of the Holy Spirit is a flame. The other image is wind. And wind is nice and good when it's a hot day up here on Prairie Hill. Wind is less good when you're in the eye of a hurricane. And Zion Lutheran Church never really recovered from the winds of Hurricane Ike that hit Galveston Island. They never really were able to pick themselves back up and and get some momentum going again. And so they decided last year to close the doors of their congregation for their members to move over to First Lutheran Church on the island. And in closing their doors, 
They asked what the Spirit might be calling them to, and they decided to donate their land to the Synod, and the Synod then turned around and donated it to Luther Hill, and there is now going to be the only religious retreat center on Galveston Island. Run by Luther Hill through the Gulf Coast Synod because a congregation closed their doors. Come, Holy Spirit. New ministry, new people hearing the gospel. Sure isn't the way that congregation expected. How much are you willing to give up for the work of the gospel? How much are you willing to give up in order to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world? How much are we as a congregation willing to be uncomfortable in order to proclaim the gospel to the world? Catherine of Siena once said that if you will just be who God has called you to be, you will set the world on fire. Not again. Just be who God has called you to be and you will set the world on fire. Being set on fire is not about being comfortable. Being set on fire is precisely about a new thing being done. The world changing and placing it entirely into God's hands in terms of what that looks like. As you were baptized, some of you here in this very font, as Knowles will be baptized here in this font, we ask that the Holy Spirit would enter your life. We ask that the Holy Spirit would give you the strength to do the things that you are not able to do on your own. We ask that the Holy Spirit would make you uncomfortable, would change you, would turn you into precisely who God has called you to be and nothing else. Do we mean it? Do we mean it? When we pray, come Holy Spirit, do we mean it? When we pray, God's will, not ours, be done, do we mean it? Are we prepared to be uncomfortable for the gospel? Are we prepared to turn everything over, put everything on the table, and say to God, it's all up for grabs. It's all up for grabs for you. I will go where you call me. I will do what you call me to do. I will be who you call me to be. And I will disturb the world with the power of this Holy Spirit. And I will disturb the world with the power of this gospel. Wherever and however you call me to. We pray this day. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And we ask for that same Spirit to give us the strength to mean it when we pray it.